0: Welcome to the Blanchard Leader Chat Podcast. Hi, this is Ken Blanchard. We need a new leadership model in business today, one that values both people and results, where leaders see their role as serving instead of being served. In this podcast, my friend and colleague, Chad Gordon, interviews experts who help us explore different aspects of leadership. I know you'll be encouraged and inspired by what you hear and you'll walk away with ideas and insights that will help you be the type of leaders others want to follow. Ready to get started? I'll be back at the end of the interview where I'll share what I've learned and how I'll be putting it into action. Now enjoy this installment of the Blanchard Leader Chat Podcast.
1: So how does this sound? Want nothing, do anything, and have everything. Sounds pretty good, right? Well, what if there was an equation to happiness? That's what we're going to talk about today on this episode of the Blanchard Leader Chat. Hi, I'm your host, Chad Gordon, and we welcome to the Blanchard Leader Chat, Neil Pesricha. Neil, welcome to the Blanchard Leader Chat podcast.
2: Thank you so much for having me, Chad. And can I just say, you have the best ever podcast voice.
1: That's I, this is going to be on a promo now thank you very much that uh, I've been waiting for that.
2: <laughs> you do it's just music to my ears I don't even want to talk but I will whenever you ask a question
1: I love it I love it well we do want you to talk and and I was so excited you know when we were looking at we always look ahead now who do we want to bring um, to our listeners and just the idea just to harness this idea that because every people some people want to sleep better eat better be more active they want to you know uh, have better time management but I Everyone wants to be happier. There's not a soul in this world that doesn't want to be happy. What brought you to this topic?
2: Well, I agree with you completely, Jed. If you go to Google right now and you type in how to be, you know, the very first drop down it suggests is happy, which means people wow. are searching for that even more than they're searching for numbers two, three, and four on that list, which are rich, pretty, and real estate agent. I'm actually not kidding. It actually is real estate agent, number four. Um, and so you, you like, I, I agree with you. Everyone's looking for happiness. And then you think about it from another perspective. You think, well, well, how are we doing? I mean, we live in the most abundant time of human civilization. We live longer than ever before. We are more educated than ever before. We have more money than ever before. We can fly more places, do more things, meet more people. But you know what? we're no happier. Professor David Myers at the University of Michigan has been studying happiness in society since the 1950s. And despite, like I said, us being at the kind of top of the hockey stick curve on abundance, we actually are no happier. We have not shifted the needle at all. And so I thought about this, this sort of paradox. I'm like, wait a minute, we all want it really badly. We should have it. We don't. Why? And then I realized whose fault it was. Okay, everyone – everything begins with like a finger pointing, and this one is no different. Whose fault is it that we're not happy? You know whose fault it is, Chad? It's your parents' fault. It's your <laughs> parents' fault. They, they, it's their fault because you know what they told you when you were a kid? They told you the same thing they told me, which is that if you do great work, then you'll have a big success, and then you'll be happy. I mean, it sounds familiar. Probably, if you study really hard, that's the great work. Then you yep. get straight A's. That's the big success. And if you're East Indian like me, you become a doctor, right? That's <laughs> that's that's the ultimate curve. Or you work really hard, you get promoted, you're happy. This is the normal thing we say to our kids: get into a good school, get a good job. Blah 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 blah. It's totally backwards. I can tell you. I can tell you from reviewing over 300 positive psychology studies that the models actually. Reversed. You called it the equation. I like that that too. I, I call it the model or the framework, whatever. The book's called the happiness equation. But what I will say is that the equation is reversed. It's not great work leads to big success, leads to be happy. It is the opposite. Being happy leads to great work, which leads to big success. What kind of work am I talking about? I mean, when you're happy, when you show up at work in a positive mindset, the research says your productivity is up 31%, your sales is up 37%, and your creativity triples. And what kind of success am I talking about? Well, I'm talking about career success. You're 40% more likely to get a promotion in the next 12 months when you're happy. And I'm also talking about life success. According to the Nun study down at the University of Kentucky, happy people live an average of 10 years longer. They live 10 years longer. I mean, the average person in the States right now lives 30,000 days. You can be happy and live 5,000 more, 5,000 more sunsets, bowls of ice cream, kissing your kids goodnight. So, you asked me at the beginning, Chad, you're like, well, how would you stumble on this world of happiness? Well, I looked at all that stuff and I realized as as I as I was becoming a dad, literally as my wife told me she was pregnant on the plane home from our honeymoon – I mean, she did, she bought the pregnancy test in the Malaysian airport and did the pregnancy (laughs) test in the airplane bathroom. I'm not joking. Um, We have a picture of a a selfie of us on the airplane, like holding this like pregnancy stick that says you're pregnant on the, on the plane. (laughs) Well, when I landed at home, which for me is in Toronto, Canada, I said, I want to kind of gestate on all this happiness research I've been doing. And I want to sort of put it into a letter. So what the happiness equation is, is actually a 300 page letter to my unborn child, on how to live a happy life. And it that it just so happened that the editor of, of the letter said, well, you shouldn't call him my son and take out love, all the lovey-dovey stuff. And so, it's published as a business book called The Happiness Equation. Um, but really, I wrote it as a letter before my, my son, who's now um, three years old, before he was born. I wrote it in the nine months that my wife was pregnant.
1: I love that. I love that. And so, Obviously, it's going to be a little bit uh, uh, until your son is able to read it. And, uh, and, and, and it's gotten such great response by the, by the people that have picked this book up. If, if somebody is listening to this right now and they say, okay, that sounds good. And okay, you're, you're telling me that people aren't necessarily wired to be a certain way. This is something we can prescriptively kind of attack. What would be one of the first steps? Uh, what, what's one of the first steps if I want to be, leave, lead a happier lifestyle?
2: Sure. Well, the the book, The Happiness Equation, is actually broken down into nine secrets. So everything we've talked about so far is actually secret number one, which is be happy first, moving the happiness from the end of the equation to the start. And you're very astutely saying, well, that's nice to say, Neil, but nobody wakes up in a good mood. Nice to know I should be happy, but how do I get there? And for that, I would say, I would ask you a question, which is, are you willing to spend 20 minutes a day- to make the other 980 minutes a day you're awake happier. You're awake about a thousand minutes a day. Could you give me 20? If you yeah. could give me 20, I'll tell you exactly what to do. And so I, I try to get people's heads nodding at that first. Cause I want to reduce the defenses people have, which is I'm too busy. There ain't no time and none of this stuff's going to work. I don't, the way the way to reduce it is to say, like, could you give me twenty minutes? Okay, so if, if you're willing to give me twenty minutes, I'll tell you three things right now you can do, and these three things are a multiple choice question. Okay, There's, you don't want to do all of them. I don't want to overwhelm you with positivity. Okay, <laughs> just pick one. Number one is go on a 20-minute nature walk. It must be in the woods. It can't be in a mall. Trees release something called phytotoxins, P-H-Y-T-O-C-I-N-S. They are a chemical that researchers are recently discovering actually reduce cortisol levels or stress hormone levels in the body. Um, The exercise helps movement, and you end up clearing your head. And if anybody listening is like, oh, I have a dog and I always feel grumpy when on Friday night at 10 o'clock, my partner's in a Netflix coma on the couch and I, my kids are in bed and it was them that made me get this dog. Well, well, we can all relate to that. But then I also want you to relate to the feeling you get when you bring the dog home and you are energized and you're ready to build a snowman and you have fresh air and you've, you know, the blood's been <laughs> moving. So the first thing you could do to flip your brain into a positive state is actually go on a 20-minute nature walk. Okay, The study underpinning that research, by the way, is done by Michael Babiak. Uh, He published it in the Journal of Psychosomatic Medicine. His last name is B-A-B-Y-A-K. And they found in this research that if you do this walk that I'm prescribing to you, it actually outperforms a test group on antidepressants and a test Mm. group doing both the walking and taking the antidepressants together. So just the walks alone outperform the other two groups. Doctors don't always love it when, when I say that, but it's true okay? Well, doctors are fine with it. Really, drug companies don't like it when I say that. Okay, that's number one. Number two, let's move on to the second one. I said it's a multiple choice question. You wanted three things. So, here here they are. The second thing is uh, a 20-minute journaling practice, okay? Mm. This study was done down at University of Texas. The study's called How Do I Love The Let Me Count The Words. And they found that couples in a relationship who journaled, um, at the end of the day, For a few weeks. And all you have to do is say, um, you know, I got a seat on the subway this morning. I don't usually get one. Um, The guy or girl next to me was really friendly, and we ended up talking. I discovered a new podcast, and now I'm listening to this one. You know, whatever Hmm. it is, you just write a little story about your day. That's it, just the positives. And the researchers discovered that the couples who were in a relationship at the University of Texas were 50% more likely to stay together after the three-month mark of their relationship. And Chad, you and I both know three months is a very long relationship at the University yeah. of Texas or any or any <laughs> college campus. I'm just joking with Texas. Um, and then we've actually seen research um, uh, through the National MS Society in the States that shows that if patients with chronic neuromuscular pain can journal for six weeks, then you can actually reduce their pain medication after the six-month mark by up to 50%. Percent, and wow. so for me, I'm I'm the cynical guy, right? Chad? Like I'd like walk into a Barnes and Noble and I'd look at that wall of journals, like, and I'd be like, "Who would buy this? This is garbage. This is just a bunch of blank paper stapled together with a picture of a cat on the front of it for twenty bucks. Like that's a rip off, right? I'm East Indian. <laughs> like Mama didn't raise no fool. Like nobody is. We're two pennies. Like no one's gonna spend money on paper. And um, and then the the funny thing happened was. We're talking about the happiness equation. My very first book was actually called The Book of Awesome. And the funny thing was the publisher calls me up and she says, Neil, we like The Book of Awesome so much, we want to do The Journal of Awesome. I was like, what are you talking about? She's like, we want to take the logo from your book, stick it on a bunch of blank paper, staple it together and sell it for 20 bucks. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, and I was like, uh, mm-hmm. "Mama didn't raise no fool." Let's give it a shot. Come <laughs> on, test the market. Well, why am I telling you that, Chad? Because the Journal of Awesome has outsold all of my books. Wow. I mean, I'm talking yeah. the book I've written. I'm an author, right? The book I've written with no words in it has outsold the books I've written with words in them. Okay, yeah. it, it's about the same thickness as the One Minute Manager, but unlike the One Minute Manager, which is a short book, this has no words. Nothing. Okay. So that tells you the power of journaling. And it turns out you've got something in your brain called the visual cortex. And when I get to say at the end of tonight, I had a nice chat with Chad, he's got the best podcast, podcast voice out there. Then um, area 17 lights up in my visual cortex. And if I read my mm. own journal, it lights up again. So I called this practice the 20 minute replay. And now I've given you two so far I've given you a 20 minute nature walk and I've given you a 20 minute journaling practice. Okay? And then the third thing, remember I said I'd give you three things, right? So it's like, you know, so far we've talked about the nature walks. We've talked about the journaling. What's the third practice you get to choose from? I'll tell you what it is. It is reading, specifically reading 20 pages of fiction. Yes, I'm saying fiction. So it's not Ken's books and it's not Neil's books. It's fiction. (laughs) Why am I saying fiction? Because it's fiction that the studies are suggesting actually opens up the mirror neurons in our brains. There's a very Mm. famous quote from Game of Thrones, George R.R. Martin. He says, a reader lives a thousand lives before he dies. The man who never reads lives only one. Mm. And so if you want to open up your capacity for empathy, uh, compassion, understanding – Becoming a better leader, a better husband, a better wife, a better parent, a better friend, a better son or daughter—nothing opens that up more than reading 20 pages of fiction a day. And when I tell people about this, you know what they usually say to me, Chad? They say, "That's easy for you to say, but um, you know, I don't have time for reading," or I, I walk into an airport bookstore and it's just like, you know the John Grishams and the Tom Clancy's or, or whatever, Stephen King's are in a big pile, but like, I don't know how to pick a good book. I don't know how to pick yeah. a book that really is going to speak to me. And so I looked into this and you know what, you know what, unfortunately the truth is, Chad, over 1000 mm. new books are published from the big publishers every single day. Over 500,000 yeah. books are published a year. And that does not include the self-publishing industry, which is another 500,000. Okay. Mm. So, you got no chance. You got no hope. And so to answer this tricky question, I've decided I will find, I will personally find the 1,000 most formative books in the world. And the way I'm doing that is from March 27th of this year, 2018, all the way up to September 1st, 2031, I am interviewing 333 of the world's most inspiring people. I'm sitting down with them, with no ads, no commercials, no promotions, nothing. I'm just asking them. I'm asking Judy Bloom. I'm asking Mitch Album. I'm asking Chris Anderson of TED. I'm asking David Sedaris. I'm asking musicians and artists and, and people that I find enlightening. Um, I'm asking them one question I'm saying, tell me about the three books that shaped your life, mm. okay? And Love so that. this is all, I'm putting this together. It's a podcast. It's totally free. It's called Three Books. It's a Three Books with Neil Reach a podcast. And if you're Love trying that. to figure out, how do I find a book? How do I find one that changes? Well, how about you listen to what David Sedaris says or his three books, right? Yeah. And then you are, if yeah. you're like me, you're turned on to a whole new universe of fiction that you would not have otherwise encountered because it's not a new book paying, you know, paying shelf space money to be sitting at the front of the store
1: right i love that and so so uh be active go on a nature walk uh um, write in a journal uh, and then read. Read fiction. That's the, those are all prescriptive, and and whether it's all three or just one of the three, that's something every one of us could start right away tomorrow. So let's move on. Um, and this is the thing. When I thought about this book, and when I when I read through the book, the thing that got to me was, yeah, but because <laughs> I can be cynical too. Yeah, but what when what what about when other people get you down? What about when um, you know the the world, uh, uh, nature, uh, kind of. Uh, uh, seems to conspire against you to keep you happy. What do you? What's your? What's your thoughts on dealing with that criticism and dealing with people that uh, that that may um, affect your happiness on a day to day?
2: Okay, there's two things uh, I'm hearing a little bit in the question, and I and I love that you're asking this. It's a very very good question. Um, Uh, Number one is um, a model that Sonia Lubomirsky, a a researcher at Stanford, has created uh, in an incredible book also called The How of Happiness. And she shows that um, 50% of our happiness is genetic, 10% are our circumstances, and 40% are our intentional activities. What I'm trying to say is that half of it you can't control anyway. If you have two kids, uh, you know one of them's happier than the other one probably, um, ten uh, percent is circumstances like literally what the president tweeted this morning is is te- fits into the ten percent, and then mm-hmm. and then the remaining forty percent is up to you. So it reveals that more is in your control, four times more than what's happening to you. Okay, so let's talk about that circumstances sliver, the ten percent. The number mm-hmm. one prescription I give you. And, and it's great for your listeners because I just talked about my podcast, three books, but they also are listening to this podcast. So they're already going to follow my prescription, which is do not read any form of news at all. I'm talking, I canceled two newspaper subscriptions, five magazine subscriptions. Um, I, I do not consume any form of news. It is not an ostrich bearing its head in the sand. It is an awareness of the massive um, uh like influences that are present in our news media today because their businesses fighting and vying for the one precious resource yeah. of attention. Okay, so turn it all off is my, is my number one prescription. And then if you're in an office and you're talking about like an angry boss or a troubled coworker, there's two things you need to do. Number one is take care of yourself first. Okay. So, um, inoculation, uh, put the oxygen mask on your mouth before you put it on your child's. You must either go for your walk in the morning or do your journaling at lunch or read your book at night, but somehow you need to take care of your own happiness. I want you to be a strong kind of positive person to begin with. The second thing is social signals. Okay. What do I mean? I mean, if you have a terrible boss, and uh, you have a five-person team that you're part of, do not ask the boss to go with you on a nature walk at lunchtime. <laughs> the boss will look at you <laughs> like you're crazy. Um, instead, look for your coworker who has a pair of dusty running shoes in their office, the one who's always complaining that they need to lose five pounds, the one who's always like, oh, I need to get back to the gym. Ask that Person, that low hanging fruit. When you two go off for your nature walk at lunch without making a big deal of it, because of course you don't want to be perceived as the person who's just sort of like the layabout in the office who can just sort of skedaddle at lunchtime, you'll start to attract attention anyway. And you will create jealousy amongst your team because they're all like, I want to go too. Once three people start going and then four, guess what? You've influenced the boss through social signals. Nobody wants to be the ornery troubled person who cannot do what the group is doing. We are influenced by our social signals the most. So just to retract and repeat, I'm saying, turn off the news first. And then if you're in in an atmosphere like a family or a company, I'm saying, take care of your own happiness at the beginning, inoculation, and then work on everyone else's social signals, not themselves, but what they see.
1: And so the great opportunity really to, uh, to model this behavior and and i love that as well because uh as as happy as you can be there there are other people in that in your world in your sphere whether it's family or it's coworkers. but if you can show that and model um that you're gonna have a resounding kind of exponential effect to other people I'll be back with the rest of the interview in just a moment, but I want to share a unique offer with you. In December, the revised edition of Leading at a Higher Level by Ken Blanchard and the founding associates and consulting partners of the Ken Blanchard Companies will be released. How would you like to receive a free copy of the new book? All you have to do is subscribe to this podcast wherever you're listening to it and write a review. Then just send an email to podcast at kenblanchard.com with leader chat in the subject line And in the body of the email, write your information and the date of the review. At the end of December, we'll select five lucky winners who'll receive a signed copy of Leading at a Higher Level. So if, if you were going into the next step, like what would be the next stage of somebody who would really wants to I'm I'm focusing on my 20 minutes. Heck, I'm even doing two out of those three. Um, I'm, I'm modeling good behavior um, to, so that other people are, are becoming more happy around me. What would be the next step you would take that, that would be a part of this equation?
2: Okay, here's the next step. Um, throw away completely the concept of retirement as an ideal in life. So I look into this concept of retirement. I'm like, where does this even come from? Why do we even think it's a good idea to like quit work at 65 and play golf forever? Well, I'll tell you why. Because in the late 1800s in Germany, they had a skyrocketing youth unemployment rate. So like it was like in the 20 or 30 percent. Like kids could not get jobs. Period. And they had an average lifespan of 67. So when you got to 67, you died. You know, they Hmm. hadn't. No one knew what penicillin was for another 40 years. Right. (laughs) So. Mm -hmm. Chancellor Otto von Bismarck arbitrarily declared that if you were 65 or older, he made up that number because it was close to the time you died. He said, if you're 65 or older and you want to, it's totally optional, we'll pay you a little bit of money to leave work so that we can lower our youth unemployment rate. Well, guess what happened? The entire Western world copied that number at 65, including the 1935 U.S. Social Security Act. I'm in Toronto, Canada. We copied that number too. Everyone copied the number 65, which has no – possible relationship anymore to our lifespan, right now we live to like we're in our 80s and 90s, and and some people are living in the 100s, and we still want to retire two-thirds of the way into it, it makes no sense. And I'll tell you why. Because Fortune Magazine published a report saying that the two most dangerous years of your life are the year you're born and the year you retire. Mm. Okay. Turns out that it's not just work that's keeping you alive. It's every other element there. So, I call these the four S's. They all start with the letter S and they are critical to your happiness and you get them all at work, ideally. Okay. Number one is social. Okay. The biggest driver of happiness is having friends and family. Like – I don't work with you, Chad, but we have a little social connection and hopefully we'll keep yeah. in touch. And it's fun yeah. to have these types of social exchanges, okay? If I wasn't working, if I wasn't an author, I'd never talk to you. Right. Uh, number two, stimulation. Always learning something. Stimulation means I have a new software, I have a new process, I have a new business, whatever it is. You're always being stimulated because you're always learning something new. The third S is structure. You have a reason to get out of bed in the morning, Okay? It's what the Okinawans call an icky guy or a purpose uh, when you wake up, wake up your eyes. You're, you're doing something that makes you get out of bed. And then number four is story. Story means I'm working on something as a team member that I could not do by myself, okay? So if you work for Google, you're organizing the world's information. If you work for the Red Cross, you're helping people in emergencies. If you work for Wikipedia, you're giving the sum of human knowledge to every human for free. Whatever it is, there's a high-level story or purpose to the work you're doing. Those four things added up again are social, stimulation, structure, and story. And those four S's are imperative you get every single day of your life. Retiring cuts off many of them and yeah. drastically reduces your happiness and, I dare say, your lifespan too.
1: I love that. And that, that almost that creates a very simple action plan. It, you can really assess yourself on where you stand on those four. So though, is this is something you can be very prescriptive to address.
2: Absolutely. I'm all about prescriptions. I I, I guess I'm a failed East Indian doctor. So I just dole out prescriptions (laughs) now since I've never been able to do it sort of illegally. Um, But but to your point, you know, you asked, okay, now, Neil, what what do you got? You flipped the model for happiness around for us. You told us three things we could choose from when it comes to how we can be happy in the morning. And I told you those things. I said, go for a nature walk. Right. I said, do a journaling practice. I said, um, listen to my podcast on three books or specifically find 20 pages of fiction you can read a night. And then you said, what else you got? And I said, here it is. Never retire. That's my last thing. Instead, (laughs) find social structure, stimulation and story so that you live a meaningful and fulfilling day every day.
1: So what's next then? How do you trip? How do you have everything?
2: Well those it's called the happiest equation. The subtitle of the book is want nothing plus do anything equals have everything. Want nothing is about contentment. Okay, mm-hmm. we've talked about some of the things to get there. The book has opens into a number of others that we haven't had time to talk about. Then there's do anything. This is about freedom. Okay, never retiring is about freedom, so is creating space. So is I have a few other models in the book that I share. Mm-hmm. And then those things equal having everything, which I define as happiness.
1: What I love about the book and what I love about how you structure it. There's so many great stories. There's so many great examples um, that really pull this to the forefront to say the- this is proof that this works. And so, a couple things that I wanted to ask you about. We talked before about kind of wiring, and uh, and and I think it's a it's a it's a good question to ask. Um, you you have people in our life, I have people in my life that that are always the, that you've never met somebody so busy and so miserable, and and you see it on their Facebook feed, and you almost want to check in on them. Are you okay? Um, is this something that everybody can harness or is there a certain part of the population that it's, it's, uh, they just want to be grumpy?
2: (laughs) Well, you have a 50% of your happiness is based on your genetic set point. Okay. I'm not, some people might start at zero to 50. Some people might start at 50 out of 50. Okay. Now the thing I'm telling everybody out there, including those people who may be in a depressive state, believe me, Chad, I get it. Like I, I have lots of mental illness in my family. Uh, One in four um, of us right now in the world suffer from one or another type of mental illness. I've lost friends. My, the book of awesome, uh, my first book came from a close friend of mine suicide due to mental illness and my um, my wife leaving me um, within three days of each other. And so I wrote an awesome thing every day for a 1,000 straight days on my blog, 1000awesomethings.com, and that yeah. turned into the book of awesome. So I'm, I've am i been is, is surrounded by mental illness. I get it. But what I will say is the nature walks have been tested on, on, yeah. on depression, okay, specifically. So has the journaling. And I don't yeah. think I have research yet on the reading, but I, I will dare say that if you believe leave, you can get with me on this, you can still control a part of your happiness, then all I'm telling you today is I'm giving you some tools to help control that part. You will still have bad days. We will all have bad days. You still may still have bad weeks, bad months, or bad years. I get that, and I have not personally lived with mental illness, so I cannot speak about the complexity, the ravaging sort of torture that it might feel like if you have that. But what I will say is use some of this research. See if you can't provoke yourself into a very minor behavior change and see what it can do for you.
1: You know, the way I looked at it, I, I so appreciate that take. It's almost like when people say, well, you know, I'm big boned. You know, I, I can't, you know, being in the gym's not working for me. I'm not eating right. It, it, sometimes it's an education process and you actually have to try things um, to try to push the envelope a little bit and give yourself kind of a new outlook on what's possible. So that's what I like about this book. It's it's simple to bring in into into play. You've given us some really great ideas. So as we begin to wrap up the um, this episode, I want to ask you, What's the one thing that you want our listeners to kind of take away from our conversation?
2: Happiness is a choice.
1: And it's a choice that – uh and I, I like that as well because I the one of the things because uh, I've gone through different stages uh, I've gone through different periods I, I have been working around mindfulness uh, so I have been journaling um, and uh, I, I had this big uh, roadblock for me because my handwriting is absolutely garbage and so when I do the journaling and I, I need to go pick up your uh, your, your most best-selling uh, journal book uh, to, for my next one when it fills out but it, there is so much to that to actually giving that a shot and, and, and focusing on that but the thing that I, I know is every day we wake up, every single day we get out of bed. And I've learned this. I have a yellow Labrador that's coming up on 10 years of age and I've learned it from my dog. Um, Every day is a choice when it comes to Um, how you want to present yourself, because you could be having the worst achy creaky day, you could have the boringest day ever. But when it's time to go outside, or if it's time to wake up and get food, that dog is so flipping excited. And that's something I think we all can kind of that's a choice that that dog makes. And I I probably is not going to be a chapter in your book. But that's something that I've gathered as well. So it really is about waking up each day with the intent and the purpose to to be better and uh, have a happier life.
2: I love that. And I think that story is totally relevant. And, uh, you know, I'm just one guy talking from one perspective from one place, you know, and I've lived one life. Um, what I hope people get out of this conversation is, you know, a little sprinkle of salt that they can apply or use and and sort of put onto whatever life they're living right now.
1: And so the last thing is, as you leave us, uh, leave our our, uh, our listeners, uh, um, when you think about having a bad day and this is the one question i wanted to ask you let's say neil wakes up on a saturday and you've done your other other tips and and you are just it's just just had a bad week what is what what is the mindset you have to get yourself out of that rut
2: Here's what it is. If I've so first of all, I try the prescriptions I've given you, right? Like I try to do a go for a nature walk or I do a little journaling or I try to read a book or whatever. I I do do the things I prescribe. Beyond mm. that, what I do is forgive myself and let it go, meaning that I don't. Um, put myself in troubling situations. Like I don't go out and social socialize. I literally will keep myself off email because I don't think I trust myself to like send a note that's not angry or nasty. Um, And then I just say the bad mood will pass. They always have before it will again. And I forgive myself that way. I prevent anxiety of anxiety. I prevent worry about worry. I simply let the mood pass like a cloud. It will let yourself off the hook.
1: I love that. And, and I'll say I challenge all of our listeners, give these tips a try. Um, and more importantly, go pick up The Happiness Equation. I, it's, it's an enjoyable read. Um, Neil Pasricha, if, if people wanted to, to learn a little bit more about you, if they want to investigate your podcast, we could plug that again. Where could someone go find out more about you?
2: Uh, the best place probably is the podcast. Three books with Neopass reaches is my new labor of love on the exact minute of every single new moon and every single full moon. Love for for the next decade and a half on the exact minute, I will release a conversation with somebody's three most formative books in the form of a podcast with no ads or promotion. I'm doing that because I love reading and I'm curious. I literally want to find <laughs> these these books that shape people's lives that we don't talk about. And so if you want to find out more about me, three books with Neil Pasricha is the podcast. It's available everywhere. Podcasts are available. <laughs>
1: Absolutely. Yeah. And, and make sure that you check it out. I have. It's, it's fantastic. And, and it's one of those where you can just go through all the different authors, all the different uh, uh, incredible minds that you pulled in and and choose the one you, that, 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 that resonates with you. So make sure you subscribe to, to Neil's podcast. Make sure you subscribe to ours as well. And, and definitely uh, rate and review Neil's as well. That really helps him grow no matter where you find your podcast. So, Neil, thank you so much. Again, thank you for being a part of today's episode of the Blanchard Leader Chat podcast.
2: My pleasure, Chad. The honor is all mine. And I'm really, really, really going to miss your voice when this is done.
1: Well, you know what? Anytime I could, I could leave you a voicemail every Monday. We'll call it like your personal (laughs) podcast.
2: I would love it. That'll become my fourth happiness tip.
1: (laughs) We'll work on it. We'll work on that. That'll, that'll be for the uh, revised edition of the book. (laughs) Thank you, Neil. Have a great day. And thank you for joining us for today's podcast. If you enjoyed this interview and like to learn more and also help us grow the audience, please subscribe to the Leader Chat Podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, or Google Play, or wherever you're listening, and please share this with your friends. The best way you can help us grow, though, is feedback. As Ken Blanchard says, feedback is the breakfast of champions. So please write us a review if you haven't already. And by the way, this podcast is sponsored by the Ken Blanchard Companies. If you'd like to learn more, there's even a lot of free resources to better yourself and your organization. Go to KenBlanchard.com. You'll find all kinds of free tools and materials to help you and others grow. Thanks again to our guests for joining us today. For now, I have the pleasure of turning it over to Ken Blanchard for his thoughts on what we discussed. Here it is, your final minute with Ken Blanchard.
0: Chad, I really enjoyed your interview with Neil about the happiness equation. The reason I enjoyed it is because I'm a happy person and I wanted to find out why. (laughs) And I don't do exactly what Neil says, but I tell you, I do a couple of things that are right in what he says. I like to enter my day slowly. I like to sit on the side of the bed when I get up in the morning and think about my day and what I have planned for that day and how I want to be that day and, and how do I want to interact with people and I really kind of think about the day and then a friend of mine gave me a great way to end the day which I've started to do and with a little journal where I write praisings which is what did I do today that's consistent with who I wanted to be and I pat myself on the back and then I write redirections what did I do today that wasn't exactly what I would have liked to have done and maybe I need to apologize to somebody and i think what really gets down to is a, a life that's uh examined and and started uh well and ended uh well and i think that's fabulous I also love neil that you're really against uh retirement and of course i wrote a book called refire don't retire make the rest of your life the best of your life and we i think we constantly have to you know refire uh intellectually you know keep on learning we need to refire physically you know keep our body in shape we need to refire spiritually in our relationship with a higher power and finally relationship wise and so i just think what you're doing is just great helping people look at what makes happiness examine their own lives and also say, don't end this happiness at a certain time. Keep it going. Life is a very special occasion, and I don't want to miss a minute of it. And I'm excited because this year is the 59th anniversary of my 21st birthday. How's that for happiness? So listen to Neil and learn from him. God bless.